0: This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Welcome to
1: Singapore's War on COVID, a podcast series by The Straits Times. This podcast series is based on selected chapters from a book detailing Singapore's experience battling the COVID-19 pandemic. The book, written by journalists of The Straits Times and edited by ST's executive editor Sumiko Tan, is titled in This Together, Singapore's COVID-19 Story, and is available in major bookstores now. Details online at stbooks.sg
2: Hello, I'm Sumi Kotan Executive Editor of The Straits Times, and I'll be reading highlights from the book. Episode 4, Lessons Singapore Learned from the COVID-19 Pandemic. This is a story of how Singapore had to adapt its policies as more was known about the coronavirus and about how being prepared helped its fight. Unknown and unpredictable, the new COVID-19 virus was a formidable enemy. Governments around the world struggled to stay ahead of it. Singapore's early response to COVID-19 was based on its experience with previous virus outbreaks. But as more was known, scientists found that the COVID-19 virus was unlike, say, the H1N1 virus, which spread very quickly but was mild. It was also different from the virus that caused SARS, which made people very ill but could be contained as it didn't spread so quickly. Professor Vernon Lee who heads the Communicable Diseases Division at the Ministry of Health said of COVID. This is uh, neither here nor there. Never have
0: I dealt with a pandemic that's gone on and on and on and on with no end in sight.
2: In the course of 2020 and 2021, policies had to be tweaked and even overturned. COVID-19 taught Singapore essentially two important lessons. The first was the need to be flexible. The second was how it pays to be prepared. A case in point was the use of face masks. On January 2, 2020, in its first media statement on the virus, the Ministry of Health said those with a cough or runny nose should wear a mask. In the weeks that followed, this message hardened. The government said Singaporeans who were well did not need to wear masks. It said it was important for people to keep their hands clean instead as the COVID virus was transmitted via droplets. This early advice was based on how viruses usually spread. In fact, the World Health Organization said masks were not helpful for people who were well and might even give them a false sense of security. At that time, there was also a run on masks and a worry that Singapore would not have enough supply for healthcare workers. But on April 3, 2020, Prime Minister Lee Hsien Loong announced a surprise reversal. He said that for people who are well, the government would no longer discourage them from wearing masks. This was because there was new evidence that an infected person could show no symptoms yet transmit the virus. This meant everyone had to assume the other person could be carrying the virus. A mask would not only protect a person from catching it, but also from spreading it. On April 14, it became mandatory for people in Singapore to wear a mask when leaving home, except if they were doing strenuous exercise and for children below the age of two. From April 16, those who flouted the rule were fined $300. Prime Minister Lee said,
0: In retrospect, I think we would have said right from the beginning, please don't scramble for the surgical masks, save those for the healthcare workers. But the rest of you, let's make our own masks. We should have changed our position earlier and encourage people to use reusable masks. Improvise is not a surgical mask, but it's good enough, and it will help. And it'll give people a sense of uh, reassurance that they are doing something to help protect themselves and to protect others, which is very important in a crisis like this.
2: Health Minister Gan Kim Yong was a co-chair of the multi-ministry task force handling the crisis. He said the mass turnaround was an important lesson in changing direction when assumptions are no longer valid.
3: Uh, One lesson we learned is that we must be flexible and be prepared to adapt as we go along. So we should uh, redesign, uh, review our SOP. And the first line in our SOP should be, uh, please don't follow this SOP blindly. (laughs) Because... uh, the tendency is once you have SOP, you just follow step one, step two, step three. You also cannot don't have SOP, right? you just going blindly, it's just not going to work. You must go in with a plan, with some assumption and hypothesis, but must be prepared to move quite quickly if you believe that your hypothesis or assumptions are wrong, no longer valid, and shift.
2: The mass U-turn demanded a new set of public messaging. Mr Gan said...
3: And once we decided we shift quite decisively, and we get everyone to wear masks. Uh, We have to be (laughs) evidence-based. Sounds like a (laughs) cliché. But it it is true, you can't be uh, skirmish about it. Public health is at stake.
2: Minister Lawrence Wong, who is also co-chair of the MTF, said the task force was guided by science, but had to be flexible, as he explained.
3: And Because you you are making these assessments in a fog of war, so you had to make a judgement call, Looking back, obviously, now, you know, if we had known the kinds of transmission asymptomatic, we probably should have done it earlier, faster. But that was we were acting on the best information we had at that time.
2: Besides being flexible, the pandemic highlighted the importance of being prepared to deal with major crises. Singapore's encounter with SARS in 2003 led to changes in the healthcare landscape. SARS had infected 238 people in Singapore and killed 33. Following that outbreak, the Infectious Diseases Act was amended to prepare Singapore for future pandemics. The amendments allowed for safe distancing measures to be implemented in times of an outbreak, including laws on people staying home, closure of premises, movement restrictions and bans on events and gatherings. So all this was in place when COVID-19 hit in 2020. In the years since SARS, government agencies also held regular exercises to prepare for emergencies. And on the healthcare infrastructure front, a National Centre for Infectious Diseases was built to strengthen the country's ability to manage outbreaks. It was officially opened in September 2019, just three months before the first cases of COVID-19 emerged from China. Prime Minister Li said,
0: The SARS experience was a great help to us because the population had a memory of what happened last time and therefore a willingness to cooperate with measures which were necessary. and the." government, the system, we had also stood up our preparations, our stockpiles, our capabilities since SARS for contact tracing, for infectious diseases, the NCID, for stockpiles of masks, PPEs, equipment. And so we were better prepared than we had been for SARS.
2: Another priority of Singapore's response was buying vaccines early. By April 2020, a committee made up of scientists, doctors and civil servants had been formed to look into this. It was headed by Mr Liu Yip, head of the civil service. The committee studied more than 35 COVID-19 vaccine candidates. Just two months later in June, the Singapore government inked an advance purchase agreement with Moderna. The American biotech company was then in phase two trials of a vaccine based on messenger RNA technology. This mRNA technology was then relatively new in vaccines. Twelve weeks later, Singapore signed another advance purchase agreement, this time for a vaccine from Pfizer-BioNTech. The American-German version was also powered by mRNA know-how. It too had not completed its Phase three trials. These two early bets by Singapore paid off. Both vaccines went on to demonstrate that they were safe and highly effective in phase 3 trials and were among the earliest to be approved and used worldwide, including in Singapore. Mr. Leo Yip said the fact that these were the right choices eventually was not at all obvious even in mid-2020. He said
1: making a judgement on behalf of now case, now 5.6 million people. Uh. If we had gotten it wrong, we would then have found ourselves uh, set back. Uh. I mean, we still would have gotten vaccine at some point. Maybe a year late, half a year late, mm-hmm. so, which is not good.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's not good for the economy, obviously. It's not good for public health because vaccines save lives. But it's not good for the psychology of the people. Meaning mm-hmm. that... I think the vaccines did give some uplift to public sentiment. I mean, there's something
2: that... Waiting was not the right thing to do. Countries such as the United States were ordering doses in the hundreds of millions. He said... And you're such a small country, you put in
1: 4 million orders, 5 million orders. It's minuscule. And it's in all likelihood, if we don't get into this act early, we don't, we don't make our moves early... Uh,
2: We will be one of those countries looking at delivery. (laughs) (laughs) Pfizer arrived in Singapore in December 2020 and Moderna in February 2021. They gave Singapore a head start in rolling out vaccines. The fight against COVID wasn't just about saving lives, but also livelihoods. Five budgets were rolled out in 2020 with close to $100 billion in support measures. To fund this, the government yearmarked up to $52 billion to be drawn from past reserves. It really helped that Singapore had large reserves accumulated over the years. Prime Minister Lee said,
0: If this is not a storm which requires drawing on the reserves, then what is?
2: Deputy Prime Minister Heng Keat said managing COVID-19 was of a different scale from past crises like the global financial crisis in 2007 and 2008.
1: It is much harder to manage this crisis because
0: uh, you have so many moving parts. You have a healthcare crisis that is continuing to evolve even today. You have an economic crisis for which recovery is very uneven across different sectors and across different parts
1: of the world. We knew that this is going to have a very deep impact, in particular
0: on jobs. Also uh, realised that we will need to support businesses because if businesses close, however much we support workers' uh, retention of jobs, uh, there will be a problem. In
2: 2021, some countries thought they had gotten the better of the virus. But a new variant would come storming back, more infectious than the last. This was the case at end November 2021, when the Omicron variant saw many countries closing borders again. It was a sobering reminder that the last phase of the pandemic, whenever that might be, would be drawn out and painful. Beyond public health, other issues demand attention, such as ensuring Singapore's fiscal sustainability after such a heavy draw on the reserves. The Prime Minister said that having dipped into Singapore's rainy day fund, it couldn't keep doing so.
0: We don't have oil gushing out of the ground. We can't say, I want this, I want this, I want this. I spend everything. I do still have to choose. I have to be prudent.
2: Mr Chan Chun Singh, who was Trade and Industry Minister till he moved to education in May 2021, said Singapore must seize opportunities. He said...
1: This is a crisis of the generation. We can turn this into an opportunity of a generation. Fight fire, emerge stronger, to go all out, and win the next generation of investment and jobs for our people. Position ourselves amidst the very volatile geopolitics, the shifting supply chains, the search for resilience, the search for safe harbour.
2: Senior Minister Teo Chi Hien said COVID has made Singapore rethink its urban planning. The next time a lockdown is required, it should ideally be for specific parts of the island rather than the whole country. Mr Ong Kang, who became Health Minister in 2021, said the pandemic brought home the importance of primary health care and basic things like maintaining hygiene, staying healthy and getting vaccinated. It has also prompted discussions about health care in the post-COVID world. For example, telemedicine. Will and can it handle the treatment of common ailments that people now go to GP's for, leaving these doctors to focus on patients with chronic conditions? One of the biggest lessons from COVID-19 is how it has been a rehearsal for the big one, the dreaded disease X. COVID-19 has been bad, but doctors say things could be worse. The question is, will it get worse? Will an even more infectious variant emerge that is harder to identify, harder to control, and lead to even more severe outcomes? Will current vaccines continue to work against them? For Singapore, as it has been with its war on COVID-19, the key would be to stay flexible when the situation changes, and to be prepared. Thanks for listening. I'm Sumi Kutan for The Straits Times. The final two podcast episodes on Singapore's War on COVID will be out in mid-June and July. We'll look at how the country deals with the Omicron wave in 2022 and transitions to living with COVID.
1: You've been listening to Singapore's War on COVID, a podcast series by The Straits Times. This podcast series is based on selected chapters from a book detailing Singapore's experience battling the COVID-19 pandemic. The book, written by journalists of The Straits Times and edited by ST's executive editor Sumiko Tan, is titled In This Together, Singapore's COVID-19 Story and is available in major bookstores now. Details online at stbooks.sg.